Welcome, welcome, welcome. And you are now listening to the Vanity Ultra Podcast. I am your host, Kenneth Kirk. That's me. Goddamn motherfucking guy. <laughs> That's Elijah. That's Elijah. And yo, man, we have a... Banger. Banger. Fucking banger, dude. Great episode for you ladies and gentlemen today. We had none other than Nicole McLaughlin on the episode today. Maybe my new favorite person, like, in the world. Yeah, like, like she's she's awesome. Man, conversation was great. Just hearing her upbringing yeah. and how she got started with her graphic design work, design work in general, mm-hmm. um, her upcycling work. Man, it was it was very insightful. But then it was just a true pleasure to have her on. And yeah, we've both been following her for like so long. <laughs> such a fan. That Yo, it's for so long. So yeah. many full sucker moments we have here on the Vandy Ultra Podcast. And it was it was just a true pleasure. And I know you guys are gonna enjoy it as well. And so with that being said, we're transitioning to the Nicole interview now. Welcome back. You are now listening to the Van Ultra Podcast. And we have a special guest for you. Ladies and gentlemen, today um, we have someone who's a major, major staple in the design and art industry. Um, you may have seen her work from her Carhartt beanies turned into a sweater, her IKEA slippers. What was another one, Eli? I think uh, she did the 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 bubble gum vest. With bubble the, gum she vest. Did the, she did the, the bread. What was it? The bread bra. The bread, yeah, oh. yeah. She did. Oh, oh, the charcuterie board. Come on, come on, man. come on, come you on, see, man. You, see, you know what we're talking. You about. may have seen her work. Um, She's just an, an incredible talent. Her design, you may have seen her collaborations with either be Reebok or Arcteryx, and her work is obviously just tremendous. It's mm-hmm. tremendous. And so I want to have my guest introduce herself today. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, I'm Nicole McLaughlin, and yeah, I'm a designer, so I make all these fun things they're talking about, and I have the opportunity to take old products and rework it into new products. So my job is very fun. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And so how we start off our podcast, how we start off our interviews, we like to start off from the beginning. So for us, tell us where you're from. Uh, so I'm originally from New Jersey. I am an East Coast girl. I went to school in Pennsylvania at East Stroudsburg, and then I lived in Boston for a bit, and New York, and then now I'm in Colorado. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Damn. Wow. Colorado. I know. That's, yeah. that's, a, big, that's a big jump from Jersey. Yeah. To, yeah. Oh, yeah. After yeah. being on the East Coast my whole life, I was like, whoa, this is a big change. I have no, there's no bodies of water, like, connecting to the state. Right. So it's a, yeah, a new thing. I'm a big uh, snowboarder, so I've been meaning to get out there eventually, but... Mm-hmm. Just haven't made it out there yet. Yeah, Colorado. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, growing up in Jersey for you, um, what were some of your early interests growing up? I was always into sports and the outdoors. I think that's just kind of been the through line of my life. It's still really important to me. So now being in Colorado, it all has culminated, and I, I get to enjoy all these outdoor activities. Um, but I mean, I was in the suburbs of New York. Like, it wasn't too far outside of New York City so I didn't have like a ton of space to run around and play but I always managed to find time outside um never was really like a kid that spent much time like uh, playing video games that kind of stuff I always loved doing like team sports so I played lacrosse um in high school and college I did marching band no what did you play what i was a percussionist snare drum Damn. Oh, oh, for I, oh, did it's lit. <laughs> I did pit so i was doing all like the weird like symbols and like triangles yeah. and stuff um but yeah I, that was like some really fond memories of doing like marching band um but yeah i mean i was just always active within like sports and stuff and struggled a lot in school so I feel like those were the things that kind of kept me going but Mm -hmm. I was always also very interested in the arts I loved drawing I loved design I loved photography I never thought that it would be a career for me so Mm -hmm. that was just never something I planned on doing so it's cool how it worked out (laughs) yeah it's so funny that he played in much of an percussion because there's there's only a few people that understand what it's like to have all that metal strapped to you in those thick ass <laughs> wool suits that 
I don't know if yours did, but mine, my suit zipped from the back. Oh. So it wasn't even like I could like air out myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was just in it. And it was like, it's like August. Like, <laughs> I so, love that we have a, a mutual connection already because uh, like marching band, also people don't require, like know how much time it requires to like mm-hmm. do, do that. Like you had to wake up so early. Like, I don't know how your instructor was, but mine was like, you can't be a minute late like it was it was like the military (laughs) so i feel like it did it did kind of help me grow as like a young person um but yeah like i did we did parades a lot too and Mm -hmm. i had to do i did like the base (laughs) (laughs) it was so heavy it was so it was like workout but yeah yeah, it's hilarious (laughs) like if you're strong around them drums kenny you need to to (laughs) i wish i could relate i wish i could relate i was more so on the sports sense so i can relate with the sports i played a lot of sports growing up yes you said you played lacrosse that's like like, such an intense yeah an intense sport like what position did you play um, so I was midfield defense, but I basically got like pulled into the sport because I loved running so much. Like I always was trying to find sports that like I could run, but I wasn't like a runner as in I wanted to do cross country or track. I, I tried it and I was like, mm-hmm. I like running for, I don't want to say a purpose because I still feel like there's a purpose there, but I like having something to do. And like, there's something else that you're chasing after people or you're like defending the ball or whatever. So I found lacrosse like a bit later, um, you know, within my high school time. And then I ended up playing into college for a bit and it was pretty fun. It was a lot of running and I really enjoyed spending all that time outside. Unfortunately, my college career came to an end like rather early because I ended up getting Lyme disease from probably Damn. playing lacrosse wow. outside because I spent so much time outdoors. Yeah. So naturally, like that could happen. Yeah. Uh, but wow. it was fine. I, I still run. I love yeah. it. And I always try to find people that will play catch with me with lacrosse. So, yeah. Shit. <laughs> wow. disease, that's no joke. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's not something that you hear that a lot of people get, but people that get it, it's like, it's, yeah. It it's pretty gnarly. And yeah. like, a lot of people on the East Coast get it. And they a lot yeah. of people don't even realize they have it. It's mm-hmm. kind of a crazy thing. Sorry, that was like a total side thing. No, <laughs> you're good. No, you're good. <laughs> I also heard that people with Lyme disease, like if they eat red meat, it like fucks them up. Like they oh, wow. really? Oh, that's yeah. Thankfully, that didn't happen to me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That like I'm good, but yeah, yeah. that's pretty wild. So as a kid, like, how did you engage in like just apparel and accessories growing up? Like, what were some of the like things you loved to wear or accessories you like to like mess around with as a kid? And did your were your parents um, big fitsmen, or is that something that is first with you? Yeah. Um, my parents were both very like artistic in a way but they definitely didn't think about like fashion like they weren't dressing us in anything like really fashionable and um yeah I didn't I mean I didn't really consider I guess fashion until I became like a teenager I was always put in like I was I was the second child so I got all the hand-me-downs and so I didn't really have my own identity until I became a teenager and I was like I'm gonna like you know figure out my own outfits I was really into like hardcore music I still am into hardcore music um and so a lot of the clothes I was wearing a lot of like band t-shirts I loved like vans and I loved like skateboarding and snowboarding and so like the clothes that I would wear kind of fit within that genre um but yeah and then I never was like considered making my own clothes but I kind of thought it was interesting like I I never thought that people like it makes sense now after being in this industry but I never considered like oh there's people that design like shoes you know there's people that design these clothes that I like and so it only became more of a career option like later in life but um I did I definitely liked bringing in my personal identity into clothing as like a teenager Mm, yeah (laughs) So you mentioned being really in a hardcore. I'm curious to know what bands you were listening Ooh, to. Yeah. I mean, so right now, I mean, I listen to a lot of like Dance Gavin Dance and Idola are like two of my favorite bands right now, mm-hmm. which Dance Gavin Dance was a band that I liked as like a young person, but they've evolved mm-hmm. over time. So I don't know if you're familiar with them, but I was really into yeah. like Taking Back Sunday, like the use, Taking like Back all the Sunday is my shit. <laughs> okay, still yeah. mentally there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was. I really loved like going to hardcore shows. New Jersey was really, really big mm. for that scene. Um, I always like ended up finding my way into like shows that I probably was too young for. 
I went to like Warp Tour and like Bamboozle, Ooh. like the, the big ones. Do, so. do we get Warp Tour here? We're from we're in Virginia Beach. I was gonna ask like, like where you guys were. Yeah, because yeah, it's like Vans Warp Tour, right? Yeah. Like yeah, we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And I've, I've never, <laughs> yeah. I never went, but I heard, I remember. Do they still do it? I think so, like at the oceanfront. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we That's should go right. this year. Maybe, yeah, you guys should go. Yeah, good content. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, can I come? <laughs> yes, please come. Hey. Yeah. So I mean, that was definitely I. I was really into that. I'm still really into that. I mean, I listen to a lot of different types of music now, but when I'm feeling some type of way, I'll like put on some Taking Back Sunday and like yeah. relive my youth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. It's funny. I was a big um plain white tees like I, I guess it's like more alternative mm-hmm. i was more so into like that kind of thing I, i'm getting into hardcore now because i've got friends who are like super into hardcore mm-hmm. and um, they're always trying to get me to go to shows but i'm like so nervous to like oh just like be to, there to and go just, yeah they, they get busy like they, they, are they get busy <laughs> they do last year i ended up going um the arteryx works with uh brain dead you guys mm-hmm. are familiar with brain yeah, dead um and they they hosted this charity event at this climbing gym. It was like basically like my ideal day. Like everything, yeah. it was like I was like a child, like in like Disney. It was pretty insane. They had climbing, which is like that's my favorite sport. They had alcohol and friends yeah. and fun, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and they had hardcore music. They had Show Me the Body, which I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they no, go but- really hard. And people were like on and i was like wow like i haven't been to a show in a while like i was like thrown into the pit and i was like i am not prepared for this i was like i need to like gotta get your stamina back up before you go to hardcore show again because it takes a lot out of you (laughs) yeah i've I've heard that those hardcore shows like everyone's super respectful though like if you fall they're gonna stop get you up but then they're gonna go right back right back oh wow yeah um Mm. you also touched on something that i want to talk about a little bit later because as like you i also am an ad climber Ooh. And I might be on the wall later, but we'll we'll get back to it. we'll yeah, get back. To it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for you, right? And you mentioned it how you didn't necessarily start getting into fashion until like your teens. So like, who were some of your early influences when it comes to like fashion, like around that time frame, like around like like as a teen? Um, I mean, I had an older sister, so I kind mm. of tended to mimic things that she would do and like I said like I ended up with a lot of hand-me-downs but I think a lot of my style was shaped around her and um yeah she introduced me to a lot of like the bands and stuff I was into but I also really loved like you know snowboarding and and skateboarding so I would be playing like Tony Hawk's like pro skater and I would get get inspiration from that and like oh like that's like inspired me to get a pair of like bands or whatever and so I wouldn't say like necessarily I had like a huge arsenal of people that I was like these are the like the people I look up to. Whereas like now there's definitely people that have more inspired me in terms of the things I'm into or style wise. I was also like I was like late coming out of like MySpace into Facebook, so like there was some social media influence. But I was like you know in in middle school going into high school and I got a Facebook and so it was like I don't know like you saw a lot of things on there but it wasn't like how it is now where you have like an Instagram mood board of like all the outfits you want to like curate so I think I was just finding my inspiration just from like being out and about being at the shows I liked like Hot Topic and like Zoomies. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you hey, guys so are learning so much yeah. about me. I feel like nobody knows like half of really, like, I was right there in that Zoomies way theater. I want, what was it that the couch, the Zoomies couch tour? I wanted to go there. Yes, place. so yes, bad. It was so fun. <laughs> I can give it a little side thing too. So my dad, um, he used to be a carpenter. And so I got a lot of like my, I think, design background from him and my mom. But he then became a mall manager. So my dad manages like a mall in New Jersey. So he does like operations, like he fixes essentially. And Zoomy's couch tour came to his mall. I got to go and I was like, I got like the special treatment because my dad was like putting the stage together. And so I got Playing out, and I was like, "This is the best." But have you? I'm sure you haven't. But have you been to a Zoomies lately? No, it's dark. Like it's I haven't dark been to a mall in like years. I feel, and that's why I feel bad because my dad still works at this mall, and I was like, "There's, is there any stores still in it?" Yeah, it's the mall we have here. It's like, um, so my phone, mm-hmm. I can't talk through. Like I can't he- if I'm like talking on the phone, I can't yeah. hear. 
and it's like I've been dreading making the genius bar because it's like fuck, dude. I gotta go to the mall. I gotta get out the car. Uh, it sucks. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who goes to the mall anymore? Maybe <laughs> there'll be a resurgence. I think. I think maybe. Wait, uh, when's the last time you went into a Zoomies? I'm so curious what it looked like. <laughs> it was like so. I was like it had to be like a year ago. I think I just went in there just to see, it. and they just got like they have like odd future brand not like not like tyler's golf but like odd future oh. they've got tons of that stuff they've got neff still they've got tons oh, of that wow. stuff they've got um a lot of like their private labels still yeah like dc like it's it's wow it's like it should have evolved to it's something. still stuck in like 2009 <laughs> right wow. but at the same time it's like 2009 in 2023 like it's it's bad that's mm-hmm. crazy wow Damn. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so for you, um, when it comes to your work now, did you necessarily go to school for design at all? So I ended up going to school for speech language pathology, um, kind of know. a random thing, but I got really into sign language in high school. I was a lot of, well, most of my friend group was deaf. One of my best friends was hard of hearing. Um, so that kind of inspired me to learn sign language. And then I went to school to pursue that and then chose a school that was very kind of specific for that. And then realized once I was there, I was like, this isn't necessarily what I want to be doing. Um, and I, I ended up mm. doing more like I was making videos of me signing. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I'm really oh, wow. interested in like the video, like the programs and like the software. So I did a lot more of like, multimedia like I was doing like videography photography sound recording so I ended up I stayed at the school and they had a really small major for like general media so I was doing that that's sort of what I ended up studying in school Mm -hmm. I ended up with a degree in digital media technology so a lot of like graphic design related stuff and that's sort of that's what led me into the fashion industry. Um, I got an internship working for Reebok and I was doing graphic design there. Um, so uh, my entire time at Reebok, I was just a graphic designer. I didn't do any type of like apparel or footwear, but that's really when I started doing the upcycling projects because mm-hmm. I was around footwear, I was around clothes and I was like, how is this stuff made? Um, and making graphics that were being applied to clothing, I was, you had to have a better understanding of like the process and like how to place things and where certain seams went. And so that was a really cool moment to realize I was like, oh, I can, you know, I could be in the fashion industry and like, I can be a part of this and um, make clothes and use my hands to make things. So that's sort of how that started. Wow. And you mentioned that, you know, your father was a carpenter and I find that I find that interesting because the way you like I do, do my research, you know, you mentioned that you kind of you start like with hands on and you, mm-hmm. you build it kind of like on as you're going like on your body. And that just it I can see the through line between like that and like the way a carpenter kind of, mm-hmm. you know, okay. starts to yeah, build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just interesting that that's you know your dad and then to do what you do now i can see the through line it's like fashion but still very like carpentry and mm-hmm. and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, go ahead no no you go ahead. no because I, no, I was gonna say that definitely went into like my next question because i was like wanting to know like what gave you the initial start to want to even get into upcycling so mm-hmm. that, yeah 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 i love that you said that too because like i do feel like my dad but both my parents, my mom, um, she's an interior designer for commercial spaces. So she does like office mm. buildings and stuff. And like, oh, wow. you know, it's she's in an art field and was kind of probably trying to steer my sister and I both away from the art field because she <laughs> yeah. was like, this doesn't make money. It's really a lot of time, a lot of energy. Um, but both my sister and I ended up within this space. Um, but you know, my mom works super hard and then my dad, like both of them have been such an inspiration and I could talk more about that, but yeah. So I guess when I started upcycling, I, it was more just like being working with that in Reebok, working around shoes, working around like all this product. Naturally, I was just like, how is this stuff made? I got to, I got the opportunity to go to factories when I was working there as like a young person in my twenties. It was pretty, you know, mind blowing to see behind the curtain of the fashion industry. Cause a lot of us, we buy clothes and we wear clothes, but we don't know how it's made. We don't know the process behind all of it. Like how long it takes to actually go from idea to like 
physical product is pretty insane. So I think all those things were just became really interesting to me. And something that always jumped out was the sampling process. So think about, I'll, I'll make it like really easy to understand, but like a shoe. So think Nike, a shoe at Nike, like that comes out a brand new shoe. They might have to go through like four or five rounds of samples to be able to make that final shoe. Um, and so that there's so many things around that process. Whereas like the first couple samples might be around like fit and, you know, construction. There might be a lot of like testing that goes into that. Then it goes into like colorways and materials. And so every time this sample comes in, it's a half a pair of shoes. They don't make the full pair of shoes mm -hmm. and it's only one size. It's like a right. size men's nine and a women's seven, I think, mm. uh, are the sample sizes. And so in all these footwear companies or, you know, in apparel too, it's a similar process. There's always just boxes of half pairs of shoes that right. like, they're not the final colorway. They're not like the final fit. And so they're kind of deemed useless. And most of the time the boxes will say like shred or like trash or whatever, and they'll get either sent back to the factory and they'll discard them there, or they get incinerated and essentially just go into the trash and so yeah. i was like well why why like can yeah. we fi figure out a way to use this and so this was like i had never made anything before never sewn never constructed anything but being around it i was like what if i try to take one of these samples like no one's gonna miss it if i take it out of this giant box right. what if i take it apart and see if i could try to put it back together again and i hot glued the whole thing back and it looked crazy it looked awful but it made <laughs> me understand like where everything fit like why certain things were in certain areas and once you un like once you open up a shoe and dissect it there's like foam and there's a heel mm -hmm. counter to give support and there's all these different details that like go into it and I found it to be really inspiring. And so that was kind of the first iteration of many shoes to come. And um, also same with apparel, I was doing the same thing. I was taking, there were samples, there was swatches of like fabric swatches or, you know, color strike offs and stuff. And I was mm -hmm. like, what if I just take all this stuff and yeah. no one's going to even notice? And no one right. did notice. <laughs> no one yeah. cared that I was taking it. So I was doing that for a while and I got decent at making these pieces by hand um and then eventually i was like i should learn how to use a sewing machine that would probably help me and cut my time down so i did that and then at some point i was moonlighting and i had this like whole other side project mm -hmm. that i was doing on nights and weekends and my instagram so sort of started like getting attention but i was still working my graphic design job and they both at some point I'll, if you want to know the story it was pretty interesting how like yeah people realized that I was doing that it was maybe like not the best moment but also pretty funny yeah so I had yeah I've been doing this now I had been doing the upcycle projects for maybe like two years but I only had started posting them on Instagram maybe like six months prior to this moment happening but I was at working at Reebok I was in this meeting and this outside marketing agency like came in and they were like you should work with this girl, this up, up and coming artist, like pitching this to like the people at Reebok and they all like turned out and like yeah. looked at me. <laughs> and I was, like, right there. I was like, oh shit, I just got like outed, like, I'm like, God, they blow my cover. So basically I didn't stay at Reebok that much longer after that. I didn't get like fired or anything. I left right. on good terms, but it was more of like, there clearly you want to be doing more than like what your job is requiring you to do we don't have a job that fits that mm -hmm. description of like upcycling or like even sustainability they were having a hard time like wrapping their head around so i was like you know what maybe i should try to do this as a full-time career mm -hmm. and i left and since then i've had the opportunity to work with them so it's been really cool um but yeah it was a pretty funny moment for that to happen i was like oh shit damn yeah imagine damn. i mean they got you back of course but imagine like blowing that bag on just, yeah like, being like, oh, but at the same time, I think that was when Reebok was kind of trying to come back and be a little bit more like, yeah, of like an important because you know they were really really popping. Oh, they kind of sure. died down for a long time. So yeah, then they're probably they just didn't have the the bandwidth to yeah, you know, on take a project like that. So, yeah, because yeah. like Reebok is so well known like 
first off from just like their athletes, like mm-hmm. in the early 2000s, but like basketball with like Shaq and Iverson. And then over mm-hmm. time, it's just like grown and grown into this thing where people are now appreciating it more for the casual and in terms of like the, what is it, the C? The club C. The club C's yeah. and then the, the, the Beatniks too. Oh, yeah. The, beat, the Beatniks, the beatniks are, yeah. are, dude, the Beatniks are going. Man. I saw, and not, so uh, 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 there's like a full, like a shoe I saw coming out. It doesn't have the sling back. It's just oh like, yeah, oh, it's like a boot almost. Like a full shoe. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like I had a good opportunity to be there where it was like post heyday. Obviously, like eighties, mm. nineties, and early two thousands was like Reebok was their time to shine, and like Nike kind of came up and ate their lunch. But mm-hmm. I, there was something about that brand that just really I I've never. Were, like never worked with a brand spoken with a brand that has such rich history mm-hmm. like you said like they had all the best athletes they were like the first brand to collaborate within the music space like they had jay-z like yeah. they had yeah. like they were really going hard at some point and i my job as a graphic designer i got to do like a lot of the archival pieces so i did alan iverson's like throwback jerseys uh, for a while and it was okay. pretty fun because i got to like learn so much about the history History. And that's what made me so interested in the brand was like, they were the first women's exercise shoe in the 80s. Like the first wow. shoe that was made specifically for women, for women was in yeah. the 80s. Like that wasn't even that long ago. Like that's yeah. crazy <laughs> to think about. And so it was pretty, pretty cool to be able to see sort of the, the way that they've affected the footwear and fashion industry. And I mean, you know, I think, unfortunately, the brand has gone through like so many like people owning them and selling them. And it's been really hard for the company to like kind of sustain, but I don't think their history can be matched by any other brand right, personally. Right. That's just how it feels. <laughs> yeah, bro. Shout out you. But it's funny that you, that you mentioned that because I currently, I work in like, yeah, I work in athletic shoes, like as a wholesaler and, oh, cool. um, yeah, it's, you know, it's cool. And, um, <laughs> yeah, one of my coworkers, she's been there for like, 20 plus years yeah she's got these two photos they're reebok um it's it's a portrait of 50 cent oh one, okay. and then there's another one of jay-z and it's just there's like some copy on it but it's like the sickest poster and she won't let me have them dude i want wow. <laughs> i didn't even like i didn't even know that like they did that yeah because i remember yeah 50 cent had a shoe with reebok too mm-hmm. now that i think about it wow that's wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. shout out reebok man yeah shout, shout out, out reebok, reebok. Yeah. <laughs> So since that time, right, and you spoke how um, originally you were doing graphic design first. So since that time, um, like full-time wise currently now, are you doing graphic design full-time now? Or is it like a mixture of both? You're still doing your own projects in graphic design? Like how do you kind of balance it off? Um, I definitely kind of took off my graphic design hat and is definitely more, I'm more of a apparel and footwear designer, I guess. Okay. And, a very loose sense of the word because I do a lot of different types of things like I, I nowadays I am full-time like freelance I basically have a company now which was like that was a whole other thing like leaving my corporate job to mm-hmm. go freelance was terrifying and I was like this I never ever would have thought that I would have this opportunity also my parents freaked out because they were like you got the corporate job you've made it like they were yeah. so like their whole lives were like you know struggled to get us like through college and do get us like to be able to be here and they're like you got the job you have a 401k and I was like yeah I'm gonna leave and like start my own business and my parents were like why (laughs) Uh, but I figured it out and it's been pretty interesting to kind of run a business and I guess a lot of my experience working with the like working at the company helped Mm -hmm. me now where I see every like part of the process like I have to be the one that you know pitches the ideas and also does the paperwork and the invoices and it's you know you start to realize like it takes a lot to run a business but I do still do graphic design but in a in a different type of way so I'll like I'll make decks and I'll pitch to brands and partners that come to me they have a lot of the time the way that a project will start is a brand will come to me and be like we have all this extra material and we don't know what to do with it. Like, is this something you can use? And then, so it's up to me to then figure out like, okay, how much of it is there? Can we do, you know, a one-off piece that's meant to be more for like social media? Can we do an auction? So can we make five to 10 pieces that are raffled off for an organization or for charity? Or, you know, there's another option where it's like, they have a ton of material and they're like, can we do this at scale? Like, can their factory upcycle 
at scale and make this stuff so people can purchase it. So there's sort of a, a lot of like different ways that I've taken the upcycling approach. Um, I just kind of realized like every brand and every industry, not even just fashion, has a lot of stuff and they don't know what to do with it. And I've sort of become this like person Ooh, that takes, yeah. <laughs> takes all this stuff and tries to figure out what to do with it, which is really fun, but it's also, you know, the problem at hand is like pretty overwhelming because I'm like, I'm only one person. I can't take all of this material. So it's like, you have to sort of give them the blueprint of what to do with it. So it's kind of a cool job. And I don't really think that many other people in the world have this job. So I'm sort of just figuring it out as I go. But, you know, it's, it's, I have a friend who, who does that, but for like military bases, like he figures out how to properly, um, like discard and how to like reuse, like, I, I I don't know how to like I don't know much about it. I know that's what he does though, but yeah. it's just funny how like you can do that, but then also do the same kind of thing in like fashion and yeah, just, just like the parallel. Yeah, yeah. everything is wow. like kind of cyclical. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So I'm curious, right? Um, because I know when I first started like following you, this was a few years ago, and I was like seeing your work, and I was just like, how is this possible? Like, how the hell? Like, mm -hmm. how is she able to? Yeah, yeah. So I'm very curious as to. When it comes to your own projects, like what's the um, where do you draw the inspiration for some of your pieces that you do make? I it's kind of like a lame answer, but it really is like for me, inspiration is everywhere because the material I use is anything like there's no boundaries on what I will try to use as a material. I have tried to use food and like mm -hmm. wood and like all these things that aren't very you know traditional like things that you put in a sewing machine or things that are even considered to be malleable so I, nothing is off limits for me I do feel like throughout my day I have kind of conditioned myself to be like hyper aware of the stuff that I'm using or doing so like mm -hmm. for example when I'm cooking dinner I'll you know pull out my carrot peeler and I'll use that and then I'm like hmm this could be a high heel, which I've done, yeah, wow, and I've yeah. put that on the heel. And so I've sort of like, I think a lot of the time during the day, we're just kind of like rushing around and, you know, the chaos of life and don't really like take it all in. And I, I'm the same way. Like I have to slow down sometimes and be like, oh, like I just did something like, could I use that for a project? Or is that a good material? Um, and then other times I have to kind of push myself to go find that inspiration. So a lot of it for me is going to thrift stores or, you know, since I love sports in the outdoors, like I'll spend time outside and, you know, grab inspiration from nature or go and like, there's a lot of, um, like use sporting equipment in Boulder, like that's where I live. And yeah, so yeah. I'll go, go try to find like, you know, old ski poles and like, see if I could use that for like a chair or something, yeah. you know, it's like, wow pretty cool to be able to go find the inspiration as well but and then I guess the other other option is like a lot of people like I said give me things so mm -hmm. even my friends and stuff they're like oh like I haven't worn this in a while like or you know I have all this like leftover packaging like can you find a way to use it and so right. I am now kind of a dumpster in terms of like I have a warehouse yeah. full of all this yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but I do use it and it's pretty fun to figure it out yeah um, so I'm curious, you know, you've traveled and you've seen all types of places, you've been all types of places, you've done all types of things. What place have you been that you went like to a thrift store or to like a vintage store to look for inspiration that you were like, holy shit, this is, this is the Mecca. Like, this is the place. Mm. Ooh, good one. Okay. So not anywhere in New York, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, not really anywhere in Boston, I guess, but anytime you start to travel to like really weird remote towns, like even maybe like driving up to Vermont from, I, I would go like snowboarding when I lived in Boston, I would try to find like some time on the weekends and uh, my partner and I, we would stop and try to find like the ran most random town and like look through and see everything. So mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe some random place in like New Hampshire, Vermont, mm -hmm. and then even parts of Colorado, like Salida is like a random town, like in Southern Colorado, like they have some weird stuff. I just actually just got back from a trip from Alaska How was um, that? Oh. in Anchorage and they had some wild stuff yeah. there. 
But it's like it sort of is like a little bit heavy for me because a lot of it's like they have a lot of fur, like they yeah. hunt there big time, yeah, right. and so you have to be, you know, have a stomach for seeing some of the stuff they have. But yeah. uh yeah, their thrift stores were pretty pretty insane. But I love getting a feel for a different city or a different you know environment just going off of like mm. thrift stores. But outside of the U.S., Japan, the craziest. Yeah thing I have ever experienced in my life. I had to send back a box with all my stuff because it would not fit in my suitcase. Yeah. So I definitely that's, that's one of the things I'm, you know, hopefully one day I'm able to travel to Japan. And that's one thing that like I, I can't wait to do is like right. go and just go like obviously like, go to Capitol and like get some Capitol jeans and stuff like that. But like I'm sure like their vintage is crazy. Oh, but um I, w- I wanted to mention that like I, I I'm, a, I'm on a big like western kind of shift in my style i don't know if you've noticed lately of course but i heard that alabama got the crazy western vintage really i didn't know that sweet home alabama when you say western are you wearing like cowboy boots like give me a little bit more context oh wow (laughs) i just got back in the cobbler yesterday new heels new heels hell yeah (laughs) I love it. I really love like that Americana vibe. Also, yeah. randomly enough, Japan, you will freak out then if that's what you're into because yeah. they, that was the thing. Like you go to Japan expecting to find like, you know, a capital or like, you know, they go Ivy League over there. They yeah. are obsessed with like Americana yeah. and you'll find like random like Midwest town like t shirt. And I was like, mm. what is happening? Like, am I in the US or am I somewhere else? It's weird. There's, wow. um, you know, like J Press and yeah. um, Nautica, like mm-hmm. brands like that have like a, like a Japanese like brand over the version it's so much better than wow like, the american dude it's their silhouettes are crazy it's yeah dude it's good it's, you should I'll, I'll link you bro yeah you, you know, know after the afternoon yeah um so i'm very curious so when when it came and just like dialing back to your personal work again what was your first like project and then also what's your i would say like yeah what's your most favorite piece that you've created thus far mm. I, one of my first, it's hard to like remember exactly what was the first because I had a lot of like failed attempts until Mm -hmm. I made something that like stayed together. Mm -hmm. Um, I made a shirt out of Dover Street Market tissue paper. It was like the packaging from something I had bought at Dover Street. Um, This was back in like 2017. It was a long mm-hmm. time ago. And I hawklued it and I didn't have enough to make the entire shirt. <laughs> um, yeah. I made like half of it and I, it looked really good. And I was like, yeah. this is sick, but I don't have enough to make the whole thing. Um, so I was probably like the first thing I made that like it, it was cool because it checked all my boxes. Like it had, I don't know if you're familiar with Dover Street Market, but they have mm-hmm. like their logo is like the little house logo and they have this fancy nice tissue paper that they wrap all their stuff that you buy i probably bought like the cheapest thing in the store (laughs) like 20 and i was like i just want to buy something um and so i i liked the print on it and i think it was like my graphic designer and me was like i liked the repeat pattern of the houses and so i was like oh it's like a pattern shirt and so that was the first time i connected like one thing to another and i do that a lot that's like an exercise that i do so for an example like a tennis ball. I use that as an example a lot because there's so many things with the tennis ball. Like I love the color. I love the texture of it. And when I was thinking, um, I do a lot with Carhartt, like you guys mentioned mm-hmm. before, but I was like, oh, you know, like the, yet, like that bright, like safety yellow hat, mm-hmm. like it's the same color and almost the same texture as a tennis ball. So then I made the hat out of tennis balls. So like I find connections like that a lot where it's like the material or the color, like the shape, something is similar about it. And then I try to like see if I could merge them together. Same with like Carhartt and bread, like brown, bread is brown. Like like, (laughs) there's things that I can like make out of that. But, and then I think one of my favorite pieces was probably, um, I made a shoe out of a volleyball that was pretty mm-hmm. early on in my time making stuff. And it was like my first real moment, uh, like my first like aha, true aha moment where I was like mm-hmm. the colors, like the shape of it, it was 
just it worked so well it was like round and it it looked mm-hmm. like a slipper and it was really comfortable because it was cushiony and so right. i think it was just kind of the first like reassuring moment that i was like i could if i could make a sphere turn into a shoe like right. what else like this this is endless and that was sort of the start of the chaos so pizza binder fucking yeah <laughs> carrot shredder fucking <laughs> Charcuterie lingerie. <laughs> exactly. I was like, the possibilities are endless. And people, I was like, I was so afraid to like share these things on social media because I was like, people are going to think that I've like, have lost my mind. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I, I have, but it's fine. Like, and yeah. everyone's kind of on board with it. They're like, you know, it's fun. And it's yeah. funny. Some people take it so serious. And I'm like, you guys are taking, you're reading too far. Yeah. No, one of the, I think one of the very first, um, introductions to you was that volleyball slipper mm. and i remember thinking like what the fuck this is so <laughs> sick this is so yeah, sick. No, like, like what this is sick yeah <laughs> that makes me happy yeah i definitely feel like people look at my stuff and they're like this is like this is a little too out there but i also like i can kind of fuck with it because it's something that feels familiar you know mm. it's like everyone's seen a volleyball everyone's seen a tennis ball and it's like you just haven't seen it in that context so it's always fun to me to like you know push those materials that's like you wouldn't ever think about it in a different way you know and i i love to just poke a bit of fun at the fashion industry because i think the fashion industry can take itself a little too serious but then also on the same side of the coin it's like you know, sustainability and like upcycling is so important within the fashion industry. And like, we have a huge waste problem. Like this is a cool way of being able to talk about it. That's like inviting versus all like the rhetoric around sustainability, like the world's burning. And like, you know, you're, you're a part of the problem versus like the, these, these big companies that are producing all this stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. what's a productive way that we can talk about this. That still feels like inviting, you know? Right. Yeah, I remember I I went to school, I have a degree in fashion merchandising, and I remember in, I think it was product development, we had a chapter on sustainability, and to, I think it, there's more, like, emissions making a mm-hmm. pair of jeans mm-hmm. than there is driving a car around the world, like, twice or something. Wow. Isn't that crazy, bro? Wait, hold on, say that again? Like, like a, that's to, like, make a pair of jeans, okay. right? Like, uh-huh. the waste from making that pair of jeans is mm-hmm. equal to driving, like, your car around the world. Like a couple of times, I could I could be totally wow. making all this up. It sounds like it could be correct though. Like I wouldn't yeah, be like, surprised. I'm like, here it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's the real statistic. Damn, it's crazy. yeah, it's really jarring when you start to learn some of the stats and like the water waste yeah. is like so bad with denim and t-shirts and co- like cotton. It's just like right. you know, there's and there's ways to do it better. Like there's definitely you know processes that are being explored but i think the most sustainable thing is like wearing what you already have and not buying new and it's like it's kind of like you know a, a little bit of a bummer to say because we're all in the fashion industry or we enjoy the fashion industry right. and it's like we like buying new things but it's also like okay how do we how do we think differently about all this stuff like there's just there's just too much there's too much yeah. to be buying new so yeah. just a thought but what did well, you what school did you go to I, I went to Old Dominion University, North Virginia. Stand the fuck up, Monarchs! Oh, let's go! <laughs> no, but like, like I mentioned uh, before, my my little wardrobe change, it's great because I am making eBay do backflips. Like, eBay <laughs> is the best thing to ever happen to me. Like, there's no, like a pair of vintage Levi's, dude. You ever ha- you have a pair. Of course. You, you, you can feel the difference. And like, yeah, man, you, eBay eBay, Depop, um, all that stuff. Uh, transitioning though, I, I have a question about um, your work and like your collaborations and stuff. So um, you do like high-low. You're really good at doing high-low. Like you, you've done things with like Hermes, you've done things with Prada, but you've also done things with like Crocs and other brands like that. When you're making these products, is the process different? Because these brands are like just on totally different ends of the spectrum or do you still approach it in the same way i love that question no one's like ever really asked me a question like that no, so prof- I professionals. That. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> very um i i would say the approach is very similar i think hermes was like a l- little bit of an exception because that was probably t- the most terrified i've ever been to be given like 
Birkin bags, even though they were damaged, even yeah. though they were like, you know, not sellable in any it's way. It's still a Birkin bag, though. It's still a Birkin bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm holding like 40 grand. Like, it's yeah. still like, I was like, oh shit, like this, you, you gotta <laughs> be like, your cut has to matter on this. Whereas right. I'm a little bit more relaxed about pretty much every material. I think that's like the thing that makes young people the most like scared to get into something like this is like they they feel like they have to have everything like perfect like the machine like the measurements like your skill set everything has to be perfect and what i've learned is like just start like just make the first cut and like you know what with upcycling if i was to patch in another material because i cut too short or i fucked it up like it's still going to look good. Like it's yeah, still upcycled. Yeah. But with the Birkin bag, I was like, Oh, this is a whole other level. <laughs> yeah. of like, I gotta be yeah. precise. But as soon as I like got into it, I felt like I felt good. And I, and, and the process was su super similar to anything else where it's like, I'm putting it on my body. I'm kind of like turning it and moving it around and, you know, figuring out what shapes it makes. Um, and I have a funny little anecdote on the side yeah. from that. Uh, I taught a workshop, uh, in 2019, it was uh, ComplexCon Chicago, and it was like sort of connected to ComplexCon, but like not really. So it was at this store called Notra, and they had given Nike was like the the sponsor for the workshop, and so they had sent all these like samples and to to the event for us to be able to use. And the group of people were like a mix. It was a lot of people that were from ComplexCon. And then there were some like random Chicago people that were just like pulling up. Anyway, so I'm like talking to them and I'm giving them sort of like the introduction of like, okay, we're making shoes or like we're reworking shoes. And like, you know, you have to be comfortable with making that first cut sometimes. And as I'm talking to them, I'm pulling out the shoes like from the box. And there was a sample and it was an off-white Sample, no. and I'm like cutting the top of the shoe off, and all everyone's like, like they like <laughs> literally were dying, and I was like, okay, but sometimes like you know you're assigning the value to these things, and I, I that's like a really dramatic example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's everything since, and it's like, um, and same with Hermes, like very dramatic like things, but it, you do like sometimes you have to just like take the value that we assign to things like we we decided that a Birkin bag is worth forty thousand dollars or like they mm -hmm. did and we all just were like yeah that sounds right you know yeah. so it's like sometimes you have to you have to take that back and be like you know what like am I going to be able to use this half a pair of shoes or is mm -hmm. it just going to be able to sit there or like can I try to find a way to use it and make it something else so mm -hmm. that's my little story about being confident to make the first cut right <laughs> Wow! Imagine pulling. Imagine like ah! <laughs> it was like a room full of hypes. Like ah! yeah, really died. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, and you touched on it just a little bit how you do workshops. Um, and recently, I believe you recently did a workshop. What was it in uh, in Paris? If I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, tell us about how that process goes in terms of when did you necessarily start getting into doing workshops and. Where do you see, of course, like, where do you find the enjoyment of just doing those workshops in general? I love the workshops. I feel like I finally, like, I found my place within a lot of this, and it's definitely rooted within education. Like, I just, I never would have thought that I'd be confident enough to teach other people how to make things. And now it's like, it's really one of my favorite things. And it started pretty early on um, upon going freelance. I had the opportunity to teach a workshop and I was scared because I was like, I'm not that good at making things. Like I, I just learned how to sew. Like I just learned how to do these things. And I almost feel like that has worked to my advantage where it's like, I, I feel like we can relate a little bit more because most of the people I'm teaching have never sewn before in their entire life. And they're mm -hmm. just starting for the first time. And I'm like, hey, I was just there. Like, we're not that far from each other. And it's just become this really beautiful in, in exchange of knowledge for, like, people that come to these workshops. Some people do know how to make stuff, but most people don't really have the background in it. They're curious to want to be into fashion or their students at the time. And so it just gives people the opportunity to learn how to make something, but also, like, leave with the sewing skills. So they can go on and hem their pants that they get on eBay that don't fit them. You know, it's, like, it's such a nice, like, skill share. 
Um, and yeah, nowadays it, it kind of works as like brands, like other projects, they'll come to me, they have material or they want to do some type of event. Um, and so they usually will find a place for us to host it and we get to use really cool stuff like Arteryx. Mm -hmm. They give us all the return jackets, things that can't be wow. repaired. Mm -hmm. And so that's awesome because then the guest for the workshop has an opportunity to like sew a Gore-Tex jacket. That's like... Mm -hmm kind of a coveted thing as well it's like yeah. an art jacket is like well run you 600 bucks so yeah. to be able to take a jacket that's like to them they can't use it like the pocket's blown out like you know it's kind of falling apart but to someone else like that's perfectly good material to learn and to make something really cool out right. of so mm -hmm. it's like the best case scenario and i get to travel you know pretty pretty much all around the world and teach people and it's cool because I've taught like workshops in China where like we're not even speaking the same language but right. somehow yeah. working together mm -hmm. and it's it's pretty cool. Wow and I love the fact because I'm and I'm sure like when it comes to your workshops people who are attending in attending your workshops they're getting this just from seeing your work they're seeing how when it comes to design they can go out the box. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the past, you know, a lot of things were very traditional and things of that sense, but attending one of your workshops, they can see the the possibilities of turning something into something small, but then turning into something much more bigger. So I definitely love that aspect of it. You guys um, have to come to one of my workshops. Yeah. <laughs> Let you know when I'm in Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hey. Um, never make it out here. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Nothing going on here. Yeah. Right? I mean, something in the water coming up, maybe. You know, yeah, you never know. We're going to lie. We'll try to make that happen. We're going to lie. Yeah, we'll, okay, yeah, yeah. he's, he's a little busy with the whole Louis Vuitton thing right now. But, yeah. yeah uh, I was going to say, I was like, I think uh, you guys are probably pretty busy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to you, right, um, before we get you out of here, I want to ask, like, before this year is up, what are some goals for you, not only creatively, but also personally, or some goals you wanting to achieve? Yeah, I love that. I I mean, I'll go personal first because I feel like that's something I'm prioritizing a lot more is like my well-being and like, you know, just being able to do the things I enjoy doing because that inspires my work. And I, I wouldn't be able to do all these work projects if I didn't have that inspiration. And I think a lot of time people don't prioritize like their mental health, their physical mm -hmm. health. Um, so I definitely have a lot of trips coming up this year. I am planning a climbing trip with some friends to Joe's oh, Valley. Yeah. Oh, pretty, yeah. Pretty excited about that. Nice. Utah. Um, I get married this summer. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> wow. Thanks. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we're, him and I, we're planning our honeymoon. We're trying to go to New Zealand. So like, that's, that's a cool thing yeah. that we're going to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, personal stuff has been, you know, a priority now that I'm living in this beautiful environment that has like mountains and, mm -hmm. you know, lakes and all these really cool things that I want to explore. So definitely a lot of climbing and getting out there. So personal mm -hmm. stuff is fun. Work stuff is crazy. I mean, I have a lot of, I travel a lot. And so just kind of having the opportunity to go to all these places that I just never would have thought that I'd have the opportunity to go. And so taking advantage of like being in a different location and like adding on a few extra days and getting to see around and explore, going to thrift stores and like mm -hmm. getting inspo. Um, but I mean, I want to get more into larger scale. So making furniture, making like installations. Mm -hmm. I'm doing an art exhibition this year at, a, at the Anchorage Museum. So that's why I was okay. in Alaska. So yeah. I'm going more within the art space, like whereas I more traditionally sat in, I guess, like a design fashion space. So mm -hmm. kind of excited to see how that turns out for me, if it's something that I like doing, because it's more experimental. Like I can try to make things that you know, a lot of the clothes that I make do really function and they do work, even if they seem kind of like funny and they like they're food and you eat them after, you right. know, but yeah. there's a lot of opportunity for me to make things that, you know, can be more of an art piece and try mm -hmm. out what I like in that space. Um, And then workshops, teaching, all that kind of stuff. So a lot coming up this year. <laughs> so um, 
I'm assuming you're gonna stay on brand and you're gonna design upcycle your own wedding dress. Is that, <laughs> this is has that? been like the number one question, and it's so funny because I was like, I literally have so much like stress on my plate. I was like, that's the <laughs> last thing in my life that I, I that's I'm gonna leave that to somebody else. Like yeah, there'll be hey. definitely like sustainable aspects of my wedding, but I was like, to sit there and like make my own wedding dress sounds like I'm gonna like lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> Before before I uh, we get you out of here, I I, I want to circle back to climbing because I did mention that I also oh, climbed. Yes, yes, yeah. So a couple of I think it was years ago. Now you took a tumble and you made a really cool sling out of like North Face scraps. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also had a pretty gnarly fall not too long ago. I've since healed from it. I um similar from so from your video, it looks like you just had a barn door that you slipped out of and. Same exact thing. I had like it was one hand dino, grabbed it, slipped right out, came oh. down on my knee, and it like dislocated and like came back in. Right? Yeah, it's so gross, dude. Oh, <laughs> but no. but I guess my question is, is how did you like overcome like? Cause I'm like, I'll get so my gym has uh we have we have bouldering, but we also have like tall walls we can clip in, and mm-hmm. I have no problem clipping in and get on the tall walls. But like I'm terrified of bouldering. That's how I hurt myself. Do you yeah. have like any? Okay, like, how did you, like, get over, like, your fear of getting back on the wall? That was, that was gnarly. Like, yeah. that fall, and your fall sounds super yeah. gnarly. Yeah. That, yeah, mine was a bummer. I mean, I, fortunately, but not fortunately, that happened, like, right before COVID. Like, mm, yeah. right, like three weeks before the lockdown and so I feel like if I didn't have that rest like it was like way too long of a rest that I would have preferred I maybe would have got tried to go back and like further injured myself but I've had the same experience like I got hurt really bad surfing when I was younger and I kind of like fucked up my whole face and thankfully have a face can still see like there was it was really bad but I was really scared to get back onto it and it's you know I started slow like I just started like being back in the ocean like that was even kind of terrifying you know it's like very humbling when you have a bad ocean experience Mm -hmm. as it is with climbing so I'd say like how's your mobility like how are you feeling with it and like it's feeling good. I've been running. I've been running on it. Um, okay. But it's, it's, um, it's like the same thing, like getting back in the ocean. Like as soon as I walk in that gym and I smell the chalk and all this, all the feet. Drama. <laughs> yeah. It's just like comes back. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say like if you do feel sort of comfortable on the ropes, like I'd say stick with that for a little bit just to get like the feeling back because it's safer. I mean, it's that's why no one like believes when you say like, yeah. Rope, yeah. Like, Doing lead or doing top roping, like it's safer than bouldering because your mm. chances are if you're falling, like you're not gonna do any, you're not gonna really go that far. Right. And whereas with bouldering, like if you fall from the top, like you could fall in a really crazy way. So yeah. as you've experienced, so yeah. I'd say like get back into it, see see how you're feeling like strength wise, and also how you're feeling like just mentally. And it, it definitely is a little bit scary, but you'll be. I'll tell you this. I'm way more nervous when doing like dino moves and I'm still like this is like three years post that injury now and I am still very reluctant about doing things that feel in any way that I'm gonna like whip off someone said in my comments on that video that I looked like I got jazzy Jeff like (laughs) it was like I was thrown out the front door like my feet went like above my head so it was pretty funny Um, um, and so, yeah, I would just yeah. go slow, see how you feel, but also let's climb together. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Wow. Maybe I'll come in and crash your, I'll ca- crash your Utah trip. Yeah, <laughs> please. What's yeah. up? The more, the merrier. Yeah. Perfect. And finally, what's your um, what, what's your gear setup? Because I'm a, I'm an Evolve Arcteryx boy. I'm a, I have Evolve shoes and my harness and my chalk bag and all my favorite climbing clothes are Arky. Mm. So, what's that looking like for you? Um, I'm a La Sportiva Solution climber. Um, took me a while to get my shoe of choice. And then likewise, Arteryx harness. Um, I am Arteryx chalk bag or I have a big organic, like big mm-hmm. chalk bag yeah. if I'm bouldering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all my crash pads are organic as well. 
Say I'm gonna get crashed. Oh, and my here. chalk is the chunky gorilla chalk. Oh, uh, see, yeah, everyone, everyone thinks that soft unicorn. Nah, not no. unicorn. gorilla. Yeah. I gorilla. I like chunky. Like I want to like squeeze. Feel the it, right? Yeah. That's such a specific thing for <laughs> to have that reference. <laughs> but so listen, that climbs. They'll know though. Yeah, they'll know. Yeah, they know. <laughs> I gotta start climbing. Yeah, we'll get you in there. We'll get you in there. Um, yeah. One day. One day. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nicole, it's been a true pleasure to have you on our podcast today. On behalf of myself and Elijah, it was a true pleasure. Like being able to learn your process when it comes to creating your own work and then overall, just your overall background too. It's been a true pleasure. And we truly wish you the best going forward. Um, we wish you a very uh, successful wedding. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and we wish you just a great future going forward because we know that you have a lot more in store when it comes to your own personal work. So. And before we, where can the people follow you on socials? Yes. Oh, um, I guess on Instagram, it's just my name. It's Nicole McLaughlin. And then I do enjoy TikTok, which is Upcycle, <laughs> and Twitter, which I just shit post, which is Nicole McLovin. So. Nicole <laughs> McLovin, love it. <laughs> um, but yeah thank you so much i really really appreciate this you guys yeah. had such thoughtful questions and yeah really excited to be a part of this nah, that oh, means a lot because i'm tell you what i've been tripping <laughs> i have been tripping about this and i don't want to like you know let everyone know but i've been for because you know it's been a couple of weeks you know we right. have to reschedule a couple times and every time i'm just like I'm gonna I just <laughs> no, I felt so bad too because we couldn't. I was like, we have to make this happen, and so this is, I, I feel good. I have a voice. That was the problem. The last yeah. time I was like, I don't want to hey. like you guys have, are so cool, and I was like, I want to actually have a conversation and not be like, like can't even hear me. So I yeah, really really appreciate it. Uh, long awaited, but we got it done, and it was a true pleasure. So thank you, Nicole. Thank you. This has been the Vanity Project Podcast with myself, Kenneth Kirk. And Elijah Evans. And we're signing out. Howdy. Peace.